Welcome to Circuit and Gear, podcast about scenic automation and other cool tech. I'm Cody. I'm Christian. I'm Harry. And I'm Mike. Welcome to Machine. And we're back. And uh, today we're talking about, I think, primarily a few like tech tips, uh, things in SpikeMark that seem to be popping up uh, pretty consistently uh, and have for a little while. We're just going to talk through uh, a few of them um, with the first one being position scale and persistent position. Yeah. So the one of the most important things is uh, knowing where the motor is. And, um, and the way we accomplish that is using an encoder, which uh, we use incremental encoders. So they don't have any memory in them. So all they know is they can count up and they can count down and they can know if they're going forward or if they're going reverse. And the stagehand needs to be smart enough to be able to convert that, those counts, those pluses and minuses into actual meaningful position, like inches or feet or millimeters or anything like that. And so that's kind of where we start with uh, getting what position scale is. So that's basically just converting that those counts, those increments, Mm-hmm. into the the real human units of inches or feet or whatever right yeah because you know like uh if anybody's ever looked at one of our machines or one of your own machines and you looked at an encoder you've got this little unit on there and it's just as it spins it's a rotary counting as it clocks around the you know degrees around that motor it's just mm-hmm. pulsing and we as it's pulsing we're just taking those counts of those pulses and we're just storing them. And then we threw a few ways that Christian will talk about (laughs) convert that gobbledygook into real usable things, because usually those counts are dramatically high. um, Right. You know, right. You're talking, you know, thousands, tens of thousands. Right. You're like, I want to move one inch. Like our saying our our push stick, right. is like 3,300 counts per inch or something like that right yeah like the push stick v2 so you know right. that's like unattainable uh, it's unthinkable for like yeah. a human right right mm-hmm. right it's like the you have to get out your calculator and know your 3300 multiples yes. and, <laughs> right <laughs> i don't know many people who can do that in their head real quick so right and then what someone will ask is a bump. So you're yeah. really fucked either way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then try converting that to like a quarter of an inch or yeah. Yeah. Give me a half bump. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so with that number is we, uh, so we want to turn that raw number, that 3,300 into one inch. And so, you know, in spike market, the easiest ways to do that is with the uh, position scale wizard. And, um, what so what's that so what that is doing is you start on one side you click the zero button in there and then it'll start counting as a, you run it forward or reverse doesn't matter and then at the end you take your measuring tape and it's important to be accurate with it and you type in how far it went and then it gives you that uh that scaling value that 3300 and really all that is doing is it's taking all of those counts for that entire move that you just traveled, and it's dividing it with the uh, with the the actual real distance that you've typed in, and that's mm-hmm. how you get to the 
to the position scale that 3300 equals an inch number yeah yeah and like you can do any distance traveled but like we always recommend like whatever the biggest distance that you can travel in ever whatever you're measuring for that um you know for that measurement for that scaling is going to be your best bet because then you know if you're a quarter inch off over 20 feet that's right. it gets all kind of averaged out and you can right. do a little better versus any little area errors on a small distance that you can measure are going to really really big yeah be bad and you're like oh this thing doesn't go where i tell it to and you're like yeah well you know bad in bad out uh, yeah. <laughs> and actually in a great example of that too is like turntables it's doing multiple revolutions when you're getting that position scale right right multiple many multiples (laughs) right especially yeah i mean that one is a whole sticky wicket about turntables too especially with like when you're using the dancer wheel for encoding is Mm -hmm. any small little amount of slip that you're going to get around you know on one revolution that's kind of bad right but if you can do five ten revolutions it'll all start to be you know averaged out on like well you know across 10 revolutions you get a little bit of slip throughout the 10 and you know, you get a better, more accurate reading. So even accounting for some small amount of slip, you'll, on average, still end up having a more accurate position right. um, through the move. Right. Um, but yeah, so the position scale wizard is pretty sweet. It's the little blue link that says position scale. Uh, yeah. If you haven't clicked, click that blue little link on the in the properties panel. It is immensely helpful for that. You don't have to you don't have to go it alone. Right. Um, and it's also really that. important too to like, this is like one of the first steps, like one of the very mm-hmm. first steps of after, you know, you've plugged it in and you've checked the limits, you've checked the e-stop. If you check all of that, then it's right. now you're going to want to do position scale. Cause you know, if you try starting to write a show with the wrong position scale and then, then you go back and do the position scale, all those numbers that you had previously typed into cues or into spikes, they mm-hmm. all are now wrong because the meaning of an inch is now different yeah i think that's i think that's a really good point christian right you know if we if you scale like a deck winch right and Mm -hmm. if it's you know if you choose like four thousand counts equals an inch when in reality it's three thousand counts right that's an inch like with your tape measure along the deck track yep in spike mark, you can say go one inch and it's going to go like an inch and three eighths or something, right? Like mm-hmm. it's going to go longer by a third. Right. Um, or somewhere close to that. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, because those counts are just the math is just not right. Um, math ain't mathin. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in an, and in kind of an interesting thing with position scaling, if you do it, if it's incorrect, right, you can. You'll always be able to go back to the place that you reset your zero, even if your oh, yeah, huh? scale is not yeah. right. Your total distance traveled is maybe going to be wrong, but wherever you reset that position from, wherever you come to, and you reset to a zero, or if you reset to two hundred inches or mm-hmm. whatever out in what the track, is. yeah, you'll always be able to go back to those positions. But all of the rest of the positions in there are going to just be a little fucked up. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, because that's one way that you can really spot and determine what's happening as you start to commission. Especially Mm -hmm. this happens a lot with turntables, but it can it can happen with 
you know, deck winches and stuff like that too, is like, you know, if you start at zero and you set and you scale to, you know, 12 feet down the track and you, you should be able to hit zero and 12 foot every time. And then everything in between, right. It's not going to, you can't lay a tape measure and hit it reliably. That'll be trouble. But as long as you can still hit your 12 feet and you still hit your zero, then, you know, your scaling is holding, um, versus, you know, Oh, if you didn't tighten the dog all the way or something and you have some slip in the system, you know, you hit, you start at zero, you blow past 12. You're like, what the hell's happening? Then you come back and you fall short. You don't get quite get back to zero. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, something is slipping in the system. And so like, yeah, that's a good way of like knowing, am I dealing with slip or am I dealing with scaling? Like turntables that comes up a lot too. like you mm-hmm. hit, you can hit zero, but you can't get, you know, you can't hit your target because slip is happening. That'll happen. Right. Yeah. And the other thing with that too, is just also adding this one extra bit of piece there too is like and also making sure specifically in that instance where you were talking about cody is like and making sure you have a tight enough target tolerance because mm. even if you try to hit zero if your target tolerance is set to like one inch then right uh you're not going to actually be able to hit get to zero but it'll be complete and it'll be quote unquote right right a queue will end you'll still be out it'll it should still show one inch but the queue will be done and you'll be like why the hell is this thing going to zero i told it to go to zero <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> right so yeah. it's like so long as you have a decent enough target tolerance then you should always be able to hit those endpoints, but not in the middle then you know it's the slip right yeah and so so let's say we got our position scale right how do we since since the incremental encoder is like a goldfish, right? Has no memory. Mm-hmm. What do we do to That's... know where it is when we power the stagehand down or more specifically when we power it back up? That's a great point. And it no longer involves a 12 volt battery. <laughs> <laughs> it was two nine volts. Oh, it was two nine volts. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Like Mike was saying, you know, there's no way for the encoder to know where it's at. So in the stagehand, what we're doing is every 30 seconds, if the stagehand hasn't done anything, so if it's just sitting still, if it's sitting at idle, then it writes the current position to memory, so to persistent memory. So when you power cycle it, it pulls that back in, and now it knows where it's at. And specifically, Kristen, I think, right, when it's idle, it means it's not getting any encoder counts back. Right. Right. So, like, it's not just that the queue is complete and it's sitting there, but that there's no activity coming back to the encoder. Right. It's. it's, And this is key because. At a standstill. Yeah. Right. And this is key, especially with turntables, right? Because turntables are like giant, since they're, they're, they're like giant sprockets, right? And so moving it's pretty easy for one person to shake or shimmy the turntable just a tiny bit and to right. see some flickers of position changing right. at the stagehand in spike mark and in those instances the position doesn't get written because right. it's not idle right and right. so we have this neat little trick <laughs> for combating that and that is every time you hit the e-stop it writes the position to memory so right. some good, you know, standard operating procedure there for you is before you power off for the night, always hit e-stop. And that'll make sure the current positions always get written to the stagehand. Right. Yeah, the, it's it's an interesting one, too, because you, you're kind of fighting two things. If you're like, well, mm-hmm. if it's just flickering, why do we care? 
Right. You're like, well, you kind of care because if it flickered enough, it's great that the stagehands like, wait, wait a minute. Wait till everything settles down. We're going to mm-hmm. write it. We're going to do it. Just wait. And then right. it'll write it. And then after there has been some shimmy, we clock and we know that it's moved and we save it, you know? Mm-hmm. So like there's, there's pros in that column. I think it's not, uh, it's also not just like constantly writing and destroying itself in the, in right. the flash. Um, well, and also it could just be like, you know, you have a whole sequence of cues that are, you know, less mm-hmm. than 30 seconds apart from each other. It's like you could start at zero and end up at, you know, 27,000. Right. And, you know, you will have never been idle enough to store that value. And then if you were just shut it off, you're going to mm-hmm. be sad when you turn it back on. So right. great procedure. Always to hit the e-stop. before. Always hit uh, the e-stop. And you might be wondering, well, if this is such a big deal, then why are you waiting 30 seconds? Why does it have to be idle? And, you know, that's some good points you bring up. And uh, (laughs) the reason for this is because we are storing this persistently. Get a little technical here for a second. So a little into the weeds. Um, Mm -hmm. But on the microcontroller, the thing that is running the stagehand, it has persistent memory on it that we can write to. And it all has, and all this memory has a life cycle. It has a number of writes that it can, that you can do to it before it'll stop working. And so the 30 seconds concession is to extend that life of that memory. So we never wear it out. Um, Because that'd be unfortunate. Because then, you know, one day you'll just go to turn it on and it'll just not work. And we don't want that to happen. So that's why we, wait for 30 seconds of idle activity before we write yeah. it like it we could write it always all the time mm-hmm. you know very very frequently but then stagehands would have a shelf life of like i don't know a year or two or something yeah uh, <laughs> and all of the stagehands that folks have had for you know the past decade currently would have destroyed themselves right uh, yeah. just by the nature of the the hardware that was in the stagehand yeah. from its yep. inception. Yeah. So that's why so that's why there exists that 30 seconds. The other oh the only other thing that I would say mm-hmm. about that too is just the other trouble can be too about that 30 second window of when it's moving is you know other times where that can come up and can seem a little funky is like if you are in the middle of a move and you lose power, mm-hmm. someone unplugs it, someone throws a breaker, something mm-hmm. happens and mm-hmm. you haven't thrown e-stop to kill that power is like if you're mid motion and mm-hmm. there's a power outage or something mm-hmm. that is also a moment where your position is going to be totally fucked because yeah you are currently mid motion and it it's not uh it's not it's not looking at that you know it's waiting yeah. for it to stop um yeah. so if you ever lose power inadvertently while an axis is moving it's also a moment where you're going to need to double check your position yeah. that has happened to me before some folks <laughs> just throwing breakers it was it was sound guys uh or <laughs> trying to plug something in and just kill the motor mid-move and you're like oh that's fucked yeah <laughs> gotta re-zero that because you know we've bad we've chased down a couple of these too with some like with some homegrown some homegrown controllers right like a old school stagehand mini or even just an oem card built into a built into an into their own enclosure where um the taking the wayback machine 
mm-hmm. before contactors were, you know, all the rage, they were ice cube relays, right? Mm-hmm. And ice cube relays are really cool. They look really cool, mm-hmm. but um, but they are like wickedly electrically noisy. Yeah. And if they're mm-hmm. too close to some of those like stagehand 1.7, 1.5 cards, uh-huh. like uh-huh. way, way back machines, when the brake fires, um, <laughs> it it is so electrically noisy that it can reboot the stagehand card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, so just like, you know, you'd run this, you'd run your move with your with your pretty badass homemade stagehand card and you get to the end of the move, the brake would fire and the stagehand would reboot. And instead of your deck winch being at like 70 inches or 96 inches, it was back at zero. You're like, what the fuck? It is on stage. It's not off stage. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just sound guys who do it. Yeah, that's true. We'll, we do it to ourselves sometimes. (laughs) Give those ponytails a break. Uh, There, it's interesting the thing you said there too about noise, about electrical noise, especially uh, on the caveat of it has to be idle and not moving. Is if you have really, really long runs and you haven't been particularly prescribed about trying to separate your encoder cable from your like motor or from Saco or from some other, you know, high voltage line runs, like we have this like with trusses a lot. Sometimes this happens, you know, it, things happen and they uh-huh. can't be separate, but you can see some noise, some flicker, and it's not enough to fuck with your position usually, but like just enough, just a little twinkle, a little star in your eye. And then the stagehand is waiting because it's, you know, has one count up down, you know, that's just seeing some amount of little flicker happening. And then in that moment, the stagehand also won't be, um, won't think the movement has stopped. And uh, so that is why often, running your lines and keeping good sep- voltage separation um, is, is can be very important. Um, that being said, if you know, you don't have that, the trick about just fuck fucking e-stopping at the end of the day, or, you know, whatever it is uh, before you walk away for coffee and, you know, it'll write all the positions and lock everything in place uh, at the moment of that e-stop as well. So that is yeah. also a, a good. It's just the you know, best just the best procedure just just hit the button it has it doesn't have that consequence just press the button yeah. it's a really satisfying button too it is it's true like, there's a bunch of contactors yeah. yeah yeah we don't have like lots of um hoops to jump through coming out of an esop system you know some other right. things in this world have like Reset. once you've hit an esop now you need to like hit an acknowledge on every axis and then like you know pull out your DDR mat and do a special dance. Like we don't have any of those things. It's all, I mean, you can still do the dance. Yeah, It's cool if you want to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But our system is very friendly (laughs) on coming out of e-stops. So don't, don't fear that button. The, the worst thing we can hear is when we go to talk to people, you know, that haven't used a gear before and they're like, Oh, on the last system, we never want to hit the e-stop because it was always such a nightmare to come out of. And you're like, no one, no one should be. You should embrace the e stop button. The e stop button should always be your friend. Yeah, you should never. It's got a warm red light and everything. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Those new and IDEC es- switches—they're nice. And especially now too, it's like and with the new showstopper stuff, you even know which button it was you pressed. Right, right, in spite exactly. Of so there's yes. there's really no reason not to press it. Press Come them on, all. Man. Reckless. The abandon. water's warm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um. Hey, so we were talking a little when we were talking about um, position scaling. We were talking about like uh, getting to right, getting to the end of the queue and getting to yeah. the target that we were at, right? 
And this kind of brings up another kind of positioning positioning challenge sometimes, which is the target tolerance. Uh, Christina, you touched on it, right? Like, what yeah. is the target tolerance? So there's a whole bunch of different positions and values in Spike Mark and on the stage mm-hmm. hand and for cues, and um, and they all kind of mean different things. And the target tolerance is is the one that basically allows Spike Mark and the stagehand to decide that they have like successfully completed the queue and they get a gold star. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you can set that target tolerance to, um, and you find it in Spike Mark in the properties panel um, <clears throat> under the position pane, mm-hmm. um, where right next to position scale, as a matter of fact. Um, and um, the, and that's, and that's in the units that you've got your position scale set to. So like if it's in right. inches and it's 0.25, then it's one quarter of an inch. Yep. And so if you're running a queue that has a target of, let's say, like 100 inches, when it gets within a quarter of an inch of 100 inches, it's going to declare victory and say, I'm done. Yep. Yeah. Um, and you can make that value smaller. You can also make it larger if you don't really care where the unit stops. Um, right. you know, it's all about you, the application of it. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, I think there's a, a little bit of a challenge when you make that value too small, if yep. it's mm-hmm. too small spike mark and the stage hand will never actually get close enough to that target to complete the queue. Right. So like you could have your queue start and it'll run and it gets in spike mark, you might see that it's like if you're trying to get to 100 inches and you've got a target tolerance of, I don't know, let's say like a 32nd of an inch. Um, spike mark will get there. The queue is going to like, it's going to say running, right? It's still going to be green because it's running, even though the position in spike mark is going to be reading out at like 99.9 inches or 100 inches, maybe even depending on how the rounding goes. But it's never going to actually complete. Right. 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 So. So in that case, you don't want it to be that tight. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And if you, yeah, and that is like an exercise too of the tuning, which is a whole other conversation, but like trying to, knowing what what is really good enough and what is attainable from the machine and the stage hand to get to good enough and then making sure that that target tolerance is, you know, is good for that value of like, uh, is an eighth fine? Is a quarter fine? Probably. Right. If it's really, really important, then if it's not completing and it's really not getting to where you need it to be, then that's the moment where you got to like, you know, check out the machine, check out the tuning, go look, right. you know, there's, there's places to look after that. But if you've, it's just arbitrarily set very tight because you think it should get very, very close, you know, yeah, back it off a little bit. When I think there's trouble. Illust- <laughs> and a good illustration of that though is, is um like, turntables versus deck tracks right like a eighth of a degree versus an eighth of an inch like your turntable probably doesn't really need to be that tight it depends you know i think on the turntable side it depends on the size of the turntable right Mm -hmm. i guess that was a good point you know because like inches per degree Mm -hmm. on the circumference kid you know if we're talking about like you know how if you've got like a 30 foot turntable it's like two and a half or three inches per degree, I think around the circumference. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was going to say almost opposite Christian, which is probably like on deck winches and stuff like that. A little track. If you're 
eighth inch quarter inch short it's mm-hmm. not usually a big deal because it doesn't super matter like you're in the ballpark versus like when you're on one of those giant turntables and your counts per degree are so much more massive you're like yeah no it really does have to be within you know point mm-hmm. one of a you know because on real life uh, on the circumstance of that turntable you're you know almost half an inch out or something like that and you know if you've got deck tracks you know got tracks or grooves or something coming across the seams like yeah it, that, that that can certainly be trouble yeah um, that's a good point yeah, yeah like a 30 foot diameter turntable right is like three and a three and an eighth inches mm-hmm. per degree mm-hmm. right so if you're like a half a degree that's like potentially an inch and a half off right right and that might not be acceptable yeah um but but these are all you know kind of and uh, yeah it all kind of plays together right and that target tolerance could also really come into play depending on like what your what your encoder what your position scale is like what your ppr of your encoder is where Mm -hmm. it is in the system is it on Mm -hmm. the motor or is it like on a chain stage that's not tensioned quite right on a winch that is also not tensioned quite right (laughs) right and Uh and yeah (laughs) and that is also it's all pretty circular at this point we can talk about these sort of things but like yeah also if this is your homegrown machine like what is the how many what is the ppr on that encoder right Are, are you grossly under like is it a count on that encoder really like you know an inch or two out on that end of that turntable because of the way the gear reduction through the machine all has shaked out or is it the other way where it's you've got way more counts than you can deal with and every little flicker is going to be a problem um that probably lends itself more to being the persistent position saving problem than the scaling or target tolerance problem usually more counts is better but sometimes on turntables that cannot be true (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah so that's like you know that's how it you know finishes or uh comes to stop right is the target specifically in cues yeah specifically in cues but while it's running what does it do then there's also another uh another quote-unquote tolerance window that it has going for it the dreaded max position error that's the one Mm -hmm. yeah that's the one that'll make that stupid, stupid fucking ruler and exclamation point come up mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're trying to run a queue the first time. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. So that max positioner, um, the max positioner, Christian, as you said, is the is what is what Spike Mark and the stagehand are using to calculate what is okay during a move, right? Right. And so, how far out from what it should be in its position based on the time of the move is the machine. Like what is acceptable? Right. Which seems like a small detail, but is, is is like, Oh yeah, whatever. It's, it's when it's going to be a little bit, how, how close it comes to the end of the end of the move or what's happening in the middle. Why, why would you want it to be different? Uh, but from a functional standpoint of where that's all happening is, is pretty dramatically different. And the, and the max position, and so like that max position error is, if you're looking at spike mark, it's in the stagehand properties panel under the advanced pane, way at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And um, and the MPE that max position error is, is given in scaled position units. So like whatever the position of your 
uh, whatever position you've scaled it as inches, degrees, feet, meters. Um, the key piece to this and kind of the challenge, well, maybe the key piece to it is that the maximum, that max allowable max position error mm -hmm. is 32,767 counts after scaling. So like, you know, like, oh, great. That sounds great, Mike. What does that mean? Uh -huh. My thing still doesn't move. Um, uh, so like if you had a position scale of 10,000 counts per inch, right, the, that would mean that the largest max position error that you could get or that you could input would be 3.2767 inches. That's mm -hmm. if your if your position scale was set to inches. Um, so it's 32,767 encoder counts divided by 10,000 gets us to that number. Right. Um, like without getting too even further lost in it, if we had our just a push stick V2, our max position error is like 10, almost 10 and a half inches is the absolute max that you could have. Um, and as a comparison, our CM smart hoist, the mm -hmm. max, <laughs> it's max <laughs> position error is one inch. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, so the, so the max position error, basically, you know, the, the best place to have that is the smallest value that you can get while running a queue without running into spurious um, abort on position errors. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It doesn't want to be so tight that you accidentally run into something because like the deck track has extra dirt in it today because right. that's where we put all the dust when we swept. Right. Um, but we also don't want it to be so large that we'll never get it. Right. Right. Because it is this a is a safety feature. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like the the fact that your winch could be 10 inches off from where you think it should be is maybe fine, like in your head, fine when there's nothing in its way. But when there's something or someone in its way, that there's trouble. Uh, yeah. you, you want the machine to have some sort of um, recognition that it's not uh, where it should be. Uh, without constantly every time, you know, oh, we hit a little bump. So we're, you know, half inch behind where we think we should be it killing the queue and always having trouble. Like it, it is a somewhat delicate dance of, you know, what is the acceptable window that you're actively being able to hit? Um, keeping in mind that there are real safety implications, <laughs> implications from just opening it up to the wind. Right. Yeah. And then just because just because we we want to make it more complex and harder for everybody. And I definitely like to hear more tech support emails and phone calls about this. Um, there's also another value in there that can affect the max position error, which is the position Ooh, yeah. lag time. And this is one that I still, even, even I will have pinged Mike. <laughs> I've probably several times uh, since we instituted it because it... <laughs> It's ephemeral in my memory, and I don't. <laughs> it's a little bit of. It's one more step. <laughs> it's one more step. That's right. Um, basically, the position lag time is there to. It acts as a variable on the max position error based, yep. and it's calculated based on the speed of the current movement. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> as if it wasn't complicated enough already. Say it one more time. Just 
<laughs> a little slower. Yeah. Um, so the position lag time can affect um, can affect the max positioner and can affect it pretty dramatically, even right. right. If um, you know you can. Well, so you can find the position lag time value right underneath the max position error mm-hmm. value in the stage and properties panel. Um, and the default in there is 0.2 seconds. Yeah, because um, that's the other interesting thing too, right, is max position error is in inches or scaled units versus mm-hmm. the lag time is in seconds. Right. So, <laughs> so like, what, what are, what do you mean? So, um, so like, uh, oh my goodness. I mean, there's a little bit of some information in the documentation if anybody so chooses to take a look at it. Um, but if we've got, um, I'm just going to use this example here because it's yeah. easy and in front of me. So if we've got a push stick <laughs> V2 mm-hmm. and it has a max positioner of 10.4 inches, Yep. And we have a position lag time set to a half a second. If we run a queue at a speed of 30 inches per second, mm-hmm. um, the position, the position, the calculated position lag time, lag value will be 15 inches. So 15 inches is greater than the max position error that's already there of 10.4. So it's going to keep right. that 10.4 inches. Yep. Just to make it a little bit more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> if we ran, um, if we drop the speed down to 12 inches per second mm-hmm. for that same with the same push stick, um, then our lag, our position lag value, our position lag value is going to equal six inches. So instead of us loading a max position error of 10.4 inches, we're all of a sudden mm-hmm. loading an MPE of six inches. Right. Because it's calculating it based on the speed and how, how many seconds can it go at that speed without any encoder counts coming back. Right. Right. So that 0.5 would get us then six inches at a 12 inch per second. Now to like get even crazier, if we ran a push to queue at one inch per second with a half second lag time, our our loaded max position error would then be like a half an inch, mm-hmm. which is significantly smaller than ten. Right, right. <laughs> and the whole idea behind it, though, is to um, on those slow speed cues, yeah, is to stop it from essentially running away if the something happens to the encoder. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I don't totally remember the exact use case um, I, for why. I think it but, was, I think it was because we were testing. I think it was, I think we were testing the, we were testing the spot line maybe, and we somehow pulled the encoder cable, or we pulled half of it, mm-hmm. and then, and right. then we had some undesirable results. <laughs> right when you're like essentially only getting half your counts, so you're moving right. dramatically slower. You know, half as far. Um, and, and then we also, and then as soon as we had it once, then we're like, wait, 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 but it doesn't even have to be a fucked up encoder. Like, what if it's just these really slow moves? And then all of a sudden we start to realize like, oh wait, there's another variable in here that we'd be tracking. Cause if you have some thing that is, you know, counting consistently, but moving very, very slowly, 
you could be accruing, like you could know that you're quite off, Mm -hmm. but if we've scaled your max position error based off of, you know, it's usual sort of clip, you know, bad things can happen even at slow speed. Uh, And so, yeah, these like longer or slower moves is why that lag time um, ends up becoming pretty important. Right. Um, Because again, it's, it's really that, uh, that you're just, you stop in a reasonable amount of time if something is wrong. Right. Yeah. Because when you're in that, if you say you're only counting half as far, you're moving very slowly, like you, you know, mm-hmm. getting to that, like input Mike's example of the push stick V2, that 10 inches, you're like, well, mm-hmm. you know, say you've got hooked up for some other thing, or, you know, you're only running a small distance, you're running a small track with it or something like that, you know, that 10 inches, you might never get there, but trouble could be happening right <laughs> before you hit that 10 inches. And this is a way to kind of clamp down on that. Um, yeah. Uh, the potential problem. Yeah. And so if things are ending up weird for you and you're like the, it seems to always be position faulting, but it's not ever hitting that max position error or it doesn't feel like it's hitting that max position error. Mm-hmm. You can actually look in the log right? and it'll tell you what <laughs> you wanted versus what it loaded. Right. Yeah. Which is super helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a request from you, Mike. Was like, I don't know what you're speaking start of. logging this? <laughs> It seems like we think, should know. <laughs> well, because I think you were doing exactly that, com- combating some problem where it was like the, well, maybe it's a max position error thing. And it's like the, oh, turns out it was the, the time value. Right. Was, yeah. was the thing stopping it. And before before we before we get too far afield on this one too, you know, this the, the max position error, like um, the max position error value can also, is also a really valuable tool if you're, um, when, trying to tune the motor to do some PID tuning. Mm -hmm. Um, Because uh, without getting, as Christian, you said already, right? PID tuning is like, I don't know, it's probably two podcasts worth of fucking content. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We've taken a few swings at it already. Right. Uh, A couple YouTube Um, videos, many a podcast. um, But that, but having that max position error there and shrinking that max position down can really help kind of inform whether your PID tuning is legitimate, right? Is, is good. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, just trying to keep also in mind like that, um, the position lag time could affect what you're actually loading. And so if you're trying to do the motor tuning to that, take a look there before you, uh, before you throw your arms up and uncheck a board on position error. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah and they are they are linked like you can't you can't just like open them wide open uh mm-hmm. separate from each other like you're like i don't understand this lag time thing it, it, they are tied mm-hmm. so if you find yourself being like i don't know what's going on you can't just open them right open uh so you know try, try to understand yeah yeah check and, the documentation you know, call mike you know whatever <laughs> mm-hmm <laughs> Yes. Thanks, Christian. You know what? Actually, before you look at the manual, you should just go ahead and give Mike a call. Uh, <laughs> Make sure to yeah. set your IP addresses all identical. Yeah. But also, I will say that if you do are you're getting some, you're getting trouble, and you're trying to figure out why you keep boarding, uh, your cues keep stopping. Like I feel like we say this all the time, but like don't just default to turning off max board on position error, please. Yeah. Please, please, please. <laughs> these are all the things that are, these are the, the guardrails that are set in place. Um, to keep it safe. To keep, it, keep safe. it safe. Uh, we do include that checkbox, and there's been many internal debates about whether we should. 
uh, just take away that box, but it can be useful in specific scenarios to get mm-hmm. your motor tuned to get it running well, but it is a tool to be turned on and off to get to tuning and not uh, just the, ah, fuck it. Turn that off. Uh, yeah. There's, there is a, there is always a path to keep it on and getting, get that motion uh, tuned in between the PID tuning, the VFD tuning and, you know, the physical things out in the world. Like just because it's, time consuming and 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 pretty it it can be really irksome it doesn't mean that you should just uncheck that checkbox because it it makes life easier Um, yeah because it can also unchecking a board on position error can mask unattainable speeds in Mm -hmm. the queues yeah there are many other challenges to yeah to get down yeah Uh, and kind of uh well not even that we alluded to but like we've said cody said mike you've said you know it's like the and tuning which we haven't really touched on other than keep mentioning that it needs to happen uh really plays into this and target tolerance and position lag and max position air and and all of that and if you want to hear us talk about that you should write in and tell us at a podcast at creativeconners.com tell us you want to hear us talk about that right cure for insomnia yeah <laughs> mike <laughs> mike will start telling you about his flow chart you yeah. think e3. i swear 0.5 <laughs> yep there are there are some really exciting things happening uh as it regards to both persistent position target tolerance max position error like all of those things have been happening kind of at the shop and at christian's desk for the past i don't know about about a year uh yeah that's coming out with this <laughs> with the new stagehand card um mm-hmm. and we've already gotten so far into the weeds i think i think as once those products are out in the wild and maybe a couple more folks have them in their hands we'll um we'll we'll swing back around and talk about this for sure um because there's yeah. there's some really cool exciting like ways to both tune and monitor and you know all of those things are are currently being buttoned up uh, and should be hitting the shelves within the next month or so. Um, yeah. So I don't want to jump the gun too soon, but that, right. you know, if, if you're really nerdy for that stuff and that's really exciting to you, uh, we will be talking about it again soon. Uh, and yeah. if it's not your jam, uh, then forget what I just said. Um, <laughs> and please keep tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, that's it for us. We'll catch you next time on circuit and gear. Bye.